This is HPR episode 1784 entitled Intro to the Feud and the Open Well-Tempered Clavier. It is hosted by John Culp and is about 30 minutes long. The summary is, inspired by the release of the Open Well-Tempered Clavier, I try to explain the feud. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hey everybody, this is John Culp in Lafayette, Louisiana, with a very special episode today. I was inspired to record this episode partly because of the ongoing request for music theory topics, but more specifically because I recently found out about an excellent new project. Well, it it was new to me anyway, and I don't think it has been out all that long. It is a complete recording of J.S. Bach's Well-Tempered Clavier Book 1 by Kamiko Ishizaka. She did a crowdfunding campaign to uh, finance the recording of the Complete Well-Tempered Clavier Book 1 with the express purpose of releasing it for free to the world with an open license with which uh, anyone can download, share, and cut up into little pieces like I'm going to do on this episode. So it's really, really a wonderful thing for those of us who love free culture. And uh, for me, because I love classical music, and you know, you occasionally get the odd fugue or prelude here and there, but to have the entire book one, this is 48 separate pieces that she recorded. She's an excellent pianist and uh, has recorded all these for free. And you can download the scores also that were newly done in a new edition by, uh, I think, uh, using an open source tool called MuseScore. So uh, let's start off this episode by listening to an excerpt. This is the prelude number three in C-sharp major, BWV listing 848, performed here by pianist Kimiko Ishizaka.
pianist Kamiko Ishizaka performing the prelude number three in C-sharp major from the Well-Tempered Clavier Book One by J.S. Bach. Now She was really getting after it there. If you're like me and listen to these podcasts at one and a half times speed normally, then you might not even have heard any individual notes there. It's plenty fast at normal speed. So that's from her project called the Open Well-Tempered Clavier. This is not the first open Bach project that she has done. A few years ago, she did the Open Goldberg Variations, which at the time were, they claimed that they were the very first fan-funded, open-source, completely free recording. And what they're probably talking about here is within classical music. And uh, it's also excellent. And uh, I may use bumpers from that periodically, and I will certainly have a link in the show notes for this episode so you can check out the Open Goldberg Variations. They're very, very well done. Another recent project of hers was to record the 24 Preludes for Piano by Frédéric Chopin. And I was actually a backer of that project, and I believe at least one other HBR community member backed it, and I will not say his name just for because I don't have permission to, but um, those of us who really like classical music and free culture were so... Uh, stoked to see that she was doing this and uh, that recording should be out very very soon on that one one of the cool things about it was that she was recording on an old piano an 1832 playel piano and it was allegedly a piano that frederick chopin himself had played so that'll be kind of cool to hear now the weltemper clavier is a book of 48 preludes and fugues And in order to um, kind of help people who aren't familiar with this music to understand what that's all about, I thought I would talk about the fugue today. Now, um, the prelude, uh, I'll just do a little bit on the prelude. A prelude is a piece that, uh, by its name, you might uh, surmise that it comes before something. Normally, a prelude will come at the very beginning of something like a Baroque suite or some other kind of suite. Or in many cases, it comes before some rather, um, I don't know, academic kind of piece. The fugue is a very learned academic sort of genre. It's very strict and has all kinds of um, rules and clever things that you can do with it, whereas the prelude is meant to be more free and improvisatory. So uh, the fugue is a Baroque, and by Baroque here I mean uh, from the period of music history from around 1600 to 1750. The prototypical late Baroque coser Uh, composer was Johann Sebastian Bach, who lived from 1685 to 1750. Other Baroque composers you may have heard of would include Antonio Vivaldi, George Friedrich Handel, um, maybe some French guys like Jean-Philippe Rameau and so forth. Uh, J.S. Bach wrote lots and lots of fugues, and there are 24 of them on this new open Bach Well-Tempered Clavier recording. The fugue is an imitative polyphonic genre, and it's usually in three or more voices based on a single theme that's called the subject. Uh, Before I go any further, I want to introduce the notion of imitation. Imitation is a really important concept in much of the late Baroque music. The main idea is that certain melodic ideas, phrases, motives are imitated. So one voice in the texture will play a theme or a motive or something like that, and then another voice in the texture will imitate it. It could be imitation by playing exactly the same pitches only in a different octave, or if there are, say, three or four people singing something that's in imitative polyphony, 
They could sing exactly the same pitches only at different times. This is what happens in a round, for example. If you've ever sung that old children's song, Row, Row, Row Your Boat, as a round, you have engaged in imitative polyphony. Now, for the sake of demonstration, I prepared a little example based on the HPR theme song. And what I've done is have uh, a main, the part of the theme song that goes, da dee, da 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 and I have imitated it in a different octave and at a different interval. So it starts on the pitch D here, and then when it's imitated in the bass, it starts on G instead. So this would be imitation at the fourth. Let's listen. Can you hear that imitation? Uh, Clearly, the other voice is doing essentially the same melody, only it starts on a different pitch, it's in a different octave. It has imitated the first voice. Now, imitation is the, uh, it's part and parcel of a fugue. It's based on a single theme called a subject. The, The basic idea is that there's an alternation of sections where the subject appears and where the subject does not appear. The most identifiable part of a fugue is the beginning part, which is called the exposition. It's distinctive because it starts with one voice all by itself, and then one by one, the other voices in the fugue enter, imitating the voice that came before it. The first voice presents the subject. The second voice comes in imitating at the fifth, and that is called the answer. Now, it has a different name. It's called answer instead of subject, just, I suppose, because it's at a different interval. That's just how the terminology is. Then the third voice will be back in the tonic, which is uh, like the home key, playing the subject again. And if there is a fourth voice, it will be imitating at the fifth with the answer again. And this keeps going until all of the voices in the fugue have entered. Normally, there are three or four voices in a fugue, but there are examples where there are as many as five or six voices. Um, Now, when the second voice enters the texture, the first voice doesn't just quit. It keeps on going, and the part that it presents as it keeps going is called the countersubject. And so uh, the countersubject goes along with the subject, and there could be as many as two or three of these countersubject as well. And they typically will reappear later in the fugue along with the subject when it shows up again. After the exposition, it's a little less predictable. The only thing that you know is that there are going to be sections where the fugue uh, subject is not present, and then there will be middle entries or restatements of the subject. Now, to get from the exposition to a restatement or uh, to a middle entry, there are what are called episodes. Episodes are passages where the subject is not present in its complete form. You might hear little bits of it, but you won't hear the whole thing. And typically, these make use of a technique called sequential repetition, or simply sequences. Now, a sequence is when there is a melodic fragment that is repeated at successively higher or lower pitch levels. And uh, I made another example from the HPR theme song to illustrate the concept of sequence. So uh, the part of the melody that I've taken is the one that goes da-da-da-da-da-da-dee-da-da-da. And specifically, I've taken the part that goes da-da-da-dee-da-da-da. And I've used that in sequence here. Let's listen. See if you can hear the repetition of that melodic fragment at successively higher pitch levels. First will be 
that whole fragment, and then there will be a slight pause followed by the little smaller fragment done in sequence. And here comes the sequence. Yeah, you hear that? Uh, so there's the little part that goes da 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 dee da. I've done in sequence da 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 dee da 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 dee da 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 dee da. It keeps getting higher and higher, and so that's the kind of thing that a composer will typically do in an episode because it allows them to move to a new key area. All right. So uh, after it has modulated, there will be restatements where um, there might be some fun stuff happening. If you're listening carefully, you'll see that a composer will often do interesting things with the fugue subject, such as he might turn it upside down. So wherever the original melody went up, the inversion would go down. He also might do the subject in retrograde, where uh, the subject would start at the last note and go to the first. This is a little bit less common. I, I can't really even think of any examples where it happens, but it does happen occasionally. Augmentation is another little trick that might happen. That's where the rhythmic values of the fugue subject are changed in uh, a proportional way. So, for example, all of the quarter notes would become half notes, the eighth notes would become quarter notes, and so forth. Diminution is exactly the opposite, where all of the rhythmic values will be diminished by some proportional uh, amount. Stretto uh, is another technique, and that's probably my favorite. And this is where you're going to hear overlapping presentations of the subject. And uh, I've got some examples here. Let's see what's first. So we're going to be looking at the fugue number 8 in D-sharp minor. This is BWV 853 from book 1 of Bach's Well-Tempered Clavier. And first I'm just going to play the subject so you can kind of get it in your head. Here is the subject of the fugue number 8 in D-sharp minor. And right at the end there, you probably heard another voice come in, and that would be the answer. Here's I'm going to pick it up right at that spot, and this will be the answer. Notice that the answer starts playing what you just heard at a different pitch level, and the original voice keeps on going with the counter subject. Okay, so there's the answer. Now let's listen to the entire exposition of this fugue. This is where you'll hear each of the three voices come in, doing first the subject, then the answer, and then the subject again. Here we go. exposition is over and what you would look for is an episode that will take you to a new key for another presentation of the subject. So here is what the first episode sounds like.
All right. So there was the first episode. Next up, there is, and the first middle entry is one where the subject is presented in stretto. Now, I'm going to play just the two upper voices at first. I, I used a lily pond uh, file to isolate just the two upper voices, the ones that are going in stretto. It's modulated to a new key. This is the uh, dominant minor. Is, let's see, it's D sharp minor. This is in A sharp minor here. Uh, listen how the two voices imitate each other. Um, in stretto. In other words, one voice overlaps the other. You hear how one of the voices seems to be stepping all over the other one's toes? It's kind of cool, isn't it? Now listen to the let's listen to the real piano do it. pretty cool, isn't it? Now, there's a, another interesting moment at measure 30 in the piece where he does an inverted version of the subject. Now, this uh, I've isolated only the voice that's inverted, so you can hear that at first. Let's listen. Hear how all of the contours of the melody have been reversed. The original fugue subject starts with a leap upward. This one starts with a leap downward. Everything is inverted. Now let's listen in uh, on the real piano. This is that same spot, but it's a little bit harder to pick out. It's the top voice in the texture, though. This is another middle entry, this time in F-sharp major. And the subject is in inversion in the highest voice. Bach is really getting after it in this uh, example. He doesn't necessarily do all of these tricks in every fugue, but in this one, he's done quite a lot of them. Now, in measure 62, there's an example of augmentation of the fugue subject in the bass voice. Let's listen to this. And again, augmentation is when all of the rhythms of the subject have been changed proportionally. In this case, they've been doubled. has been increased in rhythmic value. Let's listen to that one more time without my singing, and uh, maybe you'll (laughs) enjoy it more. Here we go. goes into another episode. Now, uh, there are other interesting moments in there, but I think now it's time simply to listen to the entire fugue from beginning to end and listen for these things. Listen for the presence of the subject, for those passages where the subject is not there, where it's modulating. Those are the episodes. And then for the middle entries where you do hear the subject again. This is, again, Kamiko Ishizaka performing the fugue number eight in D-sharp minor from J.S. Bach's Well-Tempered Clavier. This is music from 1722.
We've been listening to music by J.S. Bach. That was the fugue number eight in D-sharp minor from the Well-Tempered Clavier, book one, performed there by Kimiko Ishizaka. I always hear something different when I listen to this piece. There's so much there. The, in that listening just now, I heard another example of the fugue subject in augmentation in the highest voice, about probably 20 seconds from the end there. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you have enjoyed learning a bit about the fugue. If you would like more information, go to Kimiko Ishizaka's website, or the website of the Open Goldberg Variations and the Open Well Timber Clavier. I will have links for all of these things in the show notes. And I bought this as a pay-what-you-will download. Uh, she, she does ask you to pay something, but you can really make whatever amount you want. I paid a certain amount that I thought was um, reasonable and not a cheapskate amount. And uh, for that, I was able to download the entire thing in one of several different formats, including FLAC, which is, I mean, it's awesome to be able to download music in FLAC, isn't it? And I got uh, the MP3 version. And of course, the uh, show notes are, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the liner notes are available as a PDF that you get with it. You can also just listen to everything for free. And since this is licensed freely, people have used it on YouTube and done those kinds of things where, um, I don't know, if you not are into classical music, you may never have noticed these, but you can listen to certain classical pieces on YouTube while having the score flip in front of you as images. And uh, those are kind of cool. <clears throat> Before I go, I wanted to point a couple of other things out to you that you might find interesting. If you are intrigued by this whole notion of the fugue, then you owe it to yourself to check out a couple of examples of fugues based on modern themes. There's this guy, I, I don't know what his name is, but his YouTube handle is something like uh, Counterpoint Genius or something. I forget exactly what it was. But anyway, he has written fugues with the subjects coming from famous pop songs by contemporary artists. His best known is the Lady Gaga Bad Romance Fugue. So he's taken the theme of a Lady Gaga song and written a fugue on it in the style of J.S. Bach. And man, it is amazing. He does most of these tricks here and does it very, very much as if it sounds like J.S. Bach. He also has one on Miley Cyrus's song Wrecking Ball. And I will have links to both of these in the show notes. The videos are up on YouTube. And it's it's really fascinating. He, he does amazing things with these otherwise, uh, to me, kind of forgettable pop songs. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed that. This has been John Culp with a little... Um, Intro to the Fugue. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.